When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Good morning and welcome to Saturdays in the Gong. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Hawks legend Matt Campbell. Good morning to you, mate. Oh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. What a fantastic show we have today. I'm very excited about the show. So it's a great day. We've got a bit of rain earlier. It looks like it's cleared up. We're at Wollongong Golf Course and it's fantastic. The guys are out hitting around. There is some, uh, there is some extra water hazards uh, from the rain overnight, but... Um, there's a lot of guys uh, braving the weather to have a hit. Looks nice. Yeah, it's great to see so many groups actually out on the course mm. after the uh, the course is holding up quite well, considering. Yeah, definitely. I played on Wednesday out here, and it was a bit soggy underfoot. Uh, definitely didn't need the rain, but it's um, like the, the the management has done a really good job of uh, moving the tees around so that you can actually play. And if, you, if you're hitting the fairways, it's actually quite nice. If you're in the rough, you're in trouble, and that's where I was on Wednesday. <laughs> a uh, lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I certainly spent plenty of time with my slice out there on yeah. the uh, the right-hand side of the fairway. We've got a cracking show today. We've got Daniel Greeter from the Hawks coming in. Yes, It'll live. be fantastic as he continues his rehabilitation and he'll be back next season for the Illawarra Hawks. They're in action tomorrow against Melbourne United, which will be a, just a super game, won't it? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a big game from the Hawks' point of view. They've got to win it, really, to, to keep their finals um, momentum rolling and a good opportunity to go up against the top team and see where they're at at this time of the year. And if they're going to have a chance of winning the whole thing they've got to beat um, some of these teams on the road yeah absolutely it's a huge test especially without Brian Gorge and they're mm. struck down by the COVID so he'll be uh, watching from home like the rest of us but uh, that'll be interesting obviously. yeah yeah the spicy flu's got him it's um it's interesting I was, I was watching the AFL um during the week and Carlton um had uh, Vossi down with the same and It'd be interesting to see how that the Hawks are going to do it. Are they going to zoom in and have uh, Gorgian on the sideline, sort of giving sort of advice through through the assistant coaches? So um, we'll find out a little bit more about that when Greedy gets in here, and uh, that'll be something interesting from the from the listeners and from me to to understand. Yeah, absolutely. We've also got Kemble Grange trainer Teresa Baitup, the fairy tale horse Monigal, who won the Group Three Opponent Stakes last week, is backing up in the Neville Selwood today at Rose Hill. So we'll chat to her in the second hour of the show. The captain of the Saturdays in the gong ship, Matty Russell, he's off to Adelaide to cover the uh, the Super Netball competition. Yep. So we'll be uh, j- chatting to him on the, the phone before he... Uh, he- boards that flight. Yeah, getting his frequent flyer points up. So, yeah, it's great to see Maddie's covering a lot of different sports at the moment. It's good to see that, you know, that we've got so much sport on in, in Australia and it's in front of big crowds. So, yeah. it's really uh, quite impressive at the moment. Yeah, and in the NRL, the Rabbitohs got their season kick-started last night with a 28-16 to win over the Roosters. There's always feeling in that game, but there was a little bit extra in it last night with Latrell Mitchell, obviously, mm. with the dramas of last year and the, 
the uh, the fractured cheekbone incident there. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a big win, though, for the yeah, South. Yeah, like, I think South did a really good job of being able to sort of control that side of it. I know Tedesco was talking about trying to calm his team to make sure that they went in and played at their level that they needed to. So... Um, you know, I, I thought the you know the Rabbitohs were perfect. I think they came out with the right intent. They they controlled the ball. They controlled field. I, you know, it was a it was the Rabbitohs of old. I, I was really concerned about them after the first two weeks. I thought they were really average. I, I just um, didn't see them sort of coming out of that. And I, yep. and I thought the Roosters were looking really good. So that's a real positive for them. Um, you know, great win and the crowd the crowd, although it wasn't huge, did sound really vocal. Yeah, yeah, no, it's always a, a great contest between the two old rivals. The Warriors held on against the Tigers 16-12. to 12. The Tigers are in a bit of trouble this season. And speaking of striking trouble, at Wynn Stadium on Thursday night, the Sharks 36, the Dragons 12. We saw how competitive they were against Penrith, but they certainly uh, struck a roadblock there uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I was talking to Sean Timmons yesterday, actually, and, um, yeah, just that second half was just awful from them. So, look, ultimately, they... Um, they I, I, and I guess I, I, I was a little bit more forgiving, given the fact that, you know, they only had 12 men in that first half, and that's when the points started piling on. And I think after they got the lead, I think, um, you know, that freedom of the Sharks, the way they played, that freedom in the wet, when you've got a 10-point lead compared to the Dragons who were trying to get, you know, back in the game, kind of turned the tables and allowed sort of the Sharks to play with, you know, a, a bit more aggression, a bit more freedom, a bit wider. And ultimately, the scoreboard shows uh, what, what that leads to. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, we can't see and we can't judge the Dragons based on not having the, the full team on the on the, on the field. That's right. I mean, they're not excuses, but there's certainly circumstances in both mm. of those last two games where you just can't quite gauge no. where they're at. Now, Matt, we've all got a special spot for the Steelers mm. in, the, in the Illawarra. You know, we've all got that bit of nostalgia. Joining us on the line now is a man who played for the Steelers. He played for North Sydney, the Northern Eagles, and he also played for the London Broncos. He's come full circle in his life and career to come back to the Illawarra as Illawarra's Rugby League manager. Joining us on the line is Nigel Roy. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Tim. And oh, wasn't it great for you to hear you rattling off all those clubs that I've been involved with in the past that, uh, well... <laughs> undergo some misfortune since my time with them so but it's great to be here with you guys this morning absolutely mate i mean uh, it must be a bit special to you to be in this role with illawarra rugby league just given that you you kicked off your career here i guess it, it sort of you know la- launched your, your career in rugby league you you obviously went overseas and, and did a lot of things in the game but to to come back and have the opportunity to be involved here yeah well I owe a lot to the uh, the club. I mean, as you mentioned, they kicked off my uh, professional career. They gave me the opportunity uh, on, from a playing sense uh, to progress through the ranks, uh, which we were always grateful for and there for, and, and to come full circle to be back involved with uh, the Illawarra District Rugby League and the Illawarra Steelers Club. Uh, it, it's great, you know, coming full circle, in, involved with the administration, uh, trying to give back to the game uh, off the field. Uh, to make the great game as great as it can be. Yeah, it's good to see your passion, Nigel. That's for sure. <clears throat> so, what's on the cards for you? Like, what what do you see as your as your first challenge? Not not as your biggest challenge, but what's the first first challenge from your point of view with uh, with coming back into it? Well, first challenge is that it's, um, it's it's trying to get into what we see as a more normalised season after a couple of disrupted mm. uh, years through the through the pandemic. 
you know, we're, when we're all systems go to get back on the uh, park from a, a local rugby league sense. Uh, but having said that, mate, the weather's playing its part. So it's, yes. it's really putting a bit of a, a stutter. And, yeah, we're not you know, the only sport that's being affected by it. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had to push back the start of our junior competitions by a couple of weeks because of field availabilities and the like in the local district and so forth. So, but uh, yeah, it brings into alignment all the, the juniors and the seniors. They'll be they'll be kicking off on the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd of April. So, I would say that's probably the initial uh, phases of the challenges. Uh, you know, getting everything sorted uh, for the commencement of, of the season. Take us back to those days with the, the Steelers where you, you started your career, Nigel. Obviously under the late, great Graham Murray. I was lucky enough to ghostwrite Graham Murray's column with the Mercury for a few years and I just always loved his insight into the game. Uh, it came off the back of the Alive in the Five season where the Steelers went so very close to making a grand final. Um, you know, what, what did you make coming into grade at that stage? Yeah, well, it was, it was uh, to be honest, it was a bit of a whirlwind sort of a phase. Yeah, you came out of the uh, the country into the uh, the Steelers structure, and yeah, uh, and then to rise to the ranks so quickly. Yeah, but it wasn't just Graham Murray, uh, Graham Murray that played part. Yeah, it was also those coaches that uh, helped me along the way. You had uh, Ian Basil Millwood, yeah, the under twenty ones coach at the time. So he, he gave us a lot of direction, and then then uh, it was great. And then uh, John Jensen. Uh, Thomas and George player who uh, took charge of the reserve grade outfit. So it was all the, the whole coaching board within the club that helped us along the journey. And then, yeah, we was fortunate enough to go to the uh, the game uh, between the Dragons and Sharks on Thursday night, and it was great to see some uh, acquaintances from the past. There, yeah, like like I mentioned, yeah, John Jensen, Ian Melwood were there at the footy. Unfortunately, the Dragons didn't get the result on the night, but uh, yeah, it was great to uh, see see those old coaches and uh, all those other persons involved uh, from the, when I was here previously in the past. It's uh, great to uh, to see them again and uh, and continue on our friendships. Yeah, it's, it's, um, so do you see that as part of the pathway for, for the new role for you is that, you know, you've got a great understanding about what it took and, and how that shaped your career. Is that some of the stuff that you're going to try and influence in the role to, to try and help out some of the juniors being able to make that transition and hopefully get some more first graders coming out of, uh, out of the Illawarra? Yeah, well, the, the board of the uh, Illawarra district, uh, they've got the vision to be the leading district in the country. Uh, and, and no doubt, you know, making those opportunities available for all our aspiring young uh, junior participants from within the, the Illawarra and, and South Coast regions, making those opportunities available, that all plays its part. Yeah, you know, we, we, we want to see ourselves as the best. Yeah, you know, we think we've got pretty good structures in place uh, in alignment with, with the Dragons. And, uh, you know, we just got to get the kids out there playing, those boys and girls playing our great game. And you know, we'll have those opportunities provided for them. Just in regards to the NRL, you obviously spent a bit of time with North Sydney um, during your career, and I know there's ambitions there for them to get back into the NRL. You, you finished your career with um, with the Northern Eagles um, and Redcliffe, no doubt coming obviously coming into the NRL competition. Do you uh, do you still hold the flame that the, the Bears might be back in the competition at some point? Well, the, 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 after it's been a quite a period of stability for the NRL, they've decided to make the uh, expansion team for Redcliffe coming in uh, next year. Uh, but of course, yeah, North, they, they were a foundation club. They harbour ambitions to uh, to get back into the, uh, the the Premier competition. 
Yeah, they, they uh, relocated from the North Sydney where they struggled to get a lot of local juniors. They relocated to the Central Coast. So they, they put into play uh, a lot of uh, infrastructure they thought would help them propel them into the future. But you know, timings uh, weren't favourable at the time. Uh, they, they, missed, they dropped out of the top league. Uh, but I'm sure they, they've got people working hard behind the scenes to, to try and resurrect the, uh, yeah, one of the foundation clubs for, for rugby league in the country. So we're talking about that. Do you ever see the opportunity for the Steelers to, to make their way back in and St George uh, to, to separate and become their own entities again? Is, it, is that a possibility at all, do you think? Oh, I'm, I'm hesitant to comment too much about that, but all I know is that um, yeah, they're, Loaded they're, question. we're very proud to be associated. Yeah, we're very proud to be associated with the Dragons setup. We work quite um, quite uh, well. Uh, we're, we're working uh, in conjunction with a lot of the initiatives that the Dragons are, are doing on board, and, and that's our uh, pathway uh, for the foreseeable uh, future and for what we're sort of working towards uh, in partnership with the, uh, the, the St George uh, Dragons. Oh, very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, all, always a big question. Down I here, do love that the there's, uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they, uh, you know, they are in a position this year where I think they can really sort of push for the the top eight again. Mm. I think they've sort of built to. Uh, to have a squad that's got at least uh, a fair bit of um, promise there. And, and just touching again on the Illawarra League, um, Nigel, uh, it's all, always a, a super competition, highly competitive, a lot of ex-NRL players. Are you expecting that um, you know, it'll be a really uh, close competition this year? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a new look um, a competition this year. Uh, they've had the stro- I think it's been quite well known that they've had their struggles through, uh, through, the, through the pandemic. Yeah, some of our um, real traditional clubs yeah, were unable to field teams uh, during whatever competition could be put into place during the previous two years. But this year, uh, we've seen the introduction of a couple of um, out-of-district teams from the Cronulla uh, district. So Cronulla Dealer, oh, sorry, Cronulla Caringbar and uh, Caringbar Dealer South coming in to take on our traditional rivals uh, within the district. So that would make a, a fantastic eight-team competition. Uh, the, the Mojo Homes Cup competition. Uh, so new look, new beginning for it all. Uh, everyone's looking forward to having a, a competition with real sort of uh, depth of rivalry uh, with it. Uh, we start off with our uh, season launch on Monday the 11th of April where we're trying to get everybody in the room together to uh, you know, go through the friendlies before the hostilities begin all on the, uh, the, the 22nd, 23rd of April. It's exciting to see the uh, the Sydney teams come into the competition. We know that the Illawarra teams are are very strong in the uh, in that competition. Nigel, uh, all the best with the season. It's been great to chat, and uh, we look forward to catching up to, uh, with you during the year. Mate, it's been great to, to, to open in the batting for you guys on this uh, Saturday morning. Mate, uh, <laughs> looking for, very much looking forward to the the, the year ahead, and you know, as I say, looking forward to very much normalised systems and. Just getting people back out in the park playing sport again would be uh, something to look forward to. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks very much. Thanks again, Nigel. That's the Illawarra Rugby Cheers, League bro. manager, Nigel Roy. Uh, we're here thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices with four great locations, Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. We're going to head to a break and we'll come back with Christian Zeidler from One Agency Zeidler Waller. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. 
Welcome back to Saturday's In The Gong live from Wollongong Golf Course. You're with SEN Track Illawarra and we're here thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn everyday low prices for great locations, Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. Joining us now is Christian Zeidler from One Agency Zeidler Waller. Good morning to you. Good morning gentlemen, thanks for having me. Morning Z, thanks for coming on the show. Down at the lakes down here at Wollongong. Yeah, it's a lovely outlook though, isn't it? It's We're impressive. so lucky to be in the Illawarra and especially in Wollongong. To be this close to the water, yeah, you've got the mountains just up the road. We've been talking about this previously about properties and bits and pieces, but we thought today we'd talk about uh, the opportunities that mum and dads have now that their property prices have gone up. So explain a little bit about that for well, us, Christian. You, you look on average across the Illawarra and property prices are increased just in last year, somewhere between 25 and 30%. So if your home was mm. worth 800000 it's now well over a million, and you've got about you know roughly two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in equity, yep. uh, which you can then borrow against to buy another property. If you do that, you think the next time it goes up uh, by that amount, and it might might take a, a fair bit of time to do that. Um, you know, instead of making two fifty on yours, you're now making two fifty on two properties. There's half a million dollars. So while you're going to work and making eighty five a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you add two hundred and fifty thousand dollars over the last twelve months onto it, and that's a—it's an amazing wealth creation tool. And, and obviously, we're looking at this for a long term. Of yeah, look, as Australians, we we are all about property. You know, have your home. You know, one house. Go to work. Work hard. Um, pay it off. Pay it off. Get to a certain age, then retire. Yep. Um, this is an opportunity for you know general mum and dads to be able to use the equity in their uh, property that they have right now to generate more income for themselves down the track, um, possibly sell the second one in 10 years' time and reduce debt or altogether on their actual property and then keep doing it, but then also put themselves in a position to retire uh, and enjoy life uh, a little earlier maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's a long-term goal, even though we've had that amazing capital growth, growth because of COVID. On average, Illawarra properties every 10 years grow by 65% at 6.5% per annum. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's been over the last 50, 60 years. Mm. And that's really bolted in or um, controlled by the government, uh, if you will. They like that properties increase by value because then people use them to create wealth. Um, All the industries that are associated with it, you look at how many people get paid when a property sells. Mm. Um, Even before properties hit the market, there's your solicitor gets paid. He puts in four segments of a contract where all other people get paid for it too. The real estate agent gets paid. The guy puts up the sign in the front, the photographer. The ad goes on realestate.com and domain.com. The property hasn't even hit the market yet. Mm. And that's not to mention a new build. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Bunnings Trade, yep. your Sparky, your Plumber, everything like this. So it's a big sort of cog in the wheel of our economy. Mm. And this is why the government needs it to keep increasing. Because when it stalls or even goes backwards, people hold yep. and, and no one moves. And then no one gets paid. Mm. And you think all those people, 15, 20 different groups and industries, then they get paid. Then they move on and they go spend their money down the pub or... You know, go buy a new car, go on a holiday. So it keeps this big machine going. And that's why the averages, and that's what you should work on, the averages are 65% over 10 years. You, you, you know, apply for 65% increase on your property mm. uh, and you do the math. Yeah, but it's absolutely. a really good 
wealth creation tool for anyone. And we've seen that the Illawarra is such a, a growth market, obviously the, the Sydney buyers and, and the, I guess the heat that that creates in the market. We've seen the Shell Cove Marina sort of coming down in the, the southern suburbs. There's been the discussion about interest rates and where that sort of goes, but you, you see that the market's still forecast to be very solid for the foreseeable future? Yeah, look, I mean, when you've had a, a big spurt of growth, Usually, if there's been too much, it'll correct slightly, but it takes about two years to get over it. You look at global financial crisis, you look at the boom in 2002, 2003, you had these spikes, Mm. but it settles back down. As long as you hold your property, you're not going to lose money, Mm. and you just got to ride these little fluctuations out. Meanwhile, you put a tenant in there that's going to be helping your cash flow through that mortgage. Um, and then away you go. They're blips in the radar. It's a long game. It should be a 10 to 15 year plan for, to hold any property, I believe. Um, and the most successful landlords I've seen in our rent roll are the ones that play that long game. Long game, yeah. So I, I actually was listening to the ABC during the week, and I, I think they mentioned that it, uh, Wollongong is the, like, out of the, everywhere in the New South Wales, we've got the least amount of rental properties available. Is that what I, what I heard? Oh, look, you see properties on the market. It's... The rental sides are just as successful as the sales side. You know, one property goes online and they have that many applicants that it boosts the price up. We had a, a property in Ferry Meadow. It was on um, for 650 a week. It had that many applications. The girls end up negotiating it up to 875. Right. Like, tell me that landlord's not happy. Oh, totally. And I guess that's the... I guess that's the worry if you're an investor or you're doing it for the first time is like, all right, I'm going to go buy something. Am I going to find a tenant? And, and, uh, you know, is it going to be able to be a stable income during that period? But... What, what, from what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that, you know, we couldn't be in a better place than Wollongong right now oh. with with rental opportunities. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, and are these people local people that are renting? Or are we still are we finding that some of the Sydney market might not be able to afford to buy in? Want to just see change a little bit and actually are renting down here? Or are we talking just local people who need to rent? All sorts and everything in between. There's this new sort of phenomenon called the rent investor, uh, and that's someone who they want to buy a property they can't necessarily afford to buy the property in the in the place where they want to live so they just buy an investment and then they go rent where they want to live right so there's a lot of people um tenants of ours that are actually landlords of ours as well right so that's uh that goes on a lot and then when you've got an average house price in Wollongong of close to 1.1 million that's going to happen a lot Mm. but you've got you know you've got a situation where we're an hour from Sydney Mm. you've got a major port that we're sitting on so it's always going to be popular for anyone to live there both buyers uh, investors tenants landlords you're always going to have people here what's the first steps if you're a homeowner I'm a homeowner I pay off my mortgage you know you kick along do your job go to work what's the first steps if you're looking for investing in a second property or, or what you can do in the market you know is it just getting that appraisal or, or how, how is how's the baby steps that you would go into that yeah talk to an agent who's really interested in you uh, and not just themselves um, a lot of agents going to try and talk people into selling straight away uh, I mean we liked going in there and seeing if they can hold the property and buy the next one um, just for that exact reason that we we're just talking about then owning multiple properties is really going to get you to where you're going faster um, also, to talk to your bank. Um, it's a lot of people are locked into a bank. I think you should talk to a broker because they've got, you know, sometimes 15, 16 different banks that they work with, with different products and different strengths. Some banks are great for first homeowners. Some are better for investors. So if you talk to a broker, they'll be able to offer you advice there. They're going to organise a valuation on your place. 
they'll have a look at, you know, give you a health check and they'll work out how much you can go and spend. Then, you know, if you haven't spoken to them already, go and talk to your agent, your property manager and ask what's, you know, they might have something there that's coming to the market that, um, that they know about that's earmarked um, that you could slide straight into. You never know. But those are the two. Um, work on the bank for your money and then work on your agent where to spend it. We're here with Christian Zeidler, One Agency Zeidler Waller, a revelation in Wollongong real estate, empowering investors, families, couples and individuals. We're going to head off to the news afterwards. We've got Fox Sports commentator and captain of Saturdays in the Gong, Matt Russell. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Welcome back to Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Course. You're with SEN Track Illawarra. Let's go back to Thursday night. The Sharks 36, the Dragons 12, and Matt Campbell, Jaden Sewer in strife again. Yeah, look, um, I'm no expert in this space, but, um, you know, I think rugby league, you're in a contact sport. Um, I didn't see the, the malice in it and, and that bits and pieces. And the impact, again, it had on the game. Like, uh, as a fan of the Dragons, I, I just want to be able to see what kind of team they've got. Yeah. And at the moment, that's been taken away from from their ability to be able to show. And, you know, straight away, down to 12... Um, as soon as that happens, the points start piling up. The, the Sharks then play free. They play dry weather football with the, in the wet because they've got a 10-point lead, um, which led to more points. And ultimately, for me, I just couldn't, couldn't judge the Dragons again. And then once the floodgates opened, I think they, everyone dropped their heads and they just moved on. So, yeah, this, uh, disappointing. This was the moment, the big Im- biggest impact moment, thanks to Impact Garage Doors impacting homes for 20 years. Headed out his way again here for Nukern. Falls into the tackle and copped it in the head. Now there'll be a penalty here. You can mount a case for Sewer Paul. Jaden can't take a drink at the moment, but for Nukern definitely fell into the tackle. And I don't know how Sewer could react quick enough to change where his point of contact was going to be. Hang on, Zico. Oh. And again. Yeah, he just he, he, he bent down fractionally just for, to brace himself for contact, but. Yep. Sewer didn't bend down with him. Yeah. That, and, that, that, and therefore you get yourself into, into trouble. Shoulder to the head. John Report and the bin. Oh, Jaden oh. Sewer's off to the sin bin. He was off to the well, bin last week. <laughs> he's got a chair with his name on it in the sin bin. Poor old Jaden Sewer. See, he's... We, they deem sin binnable high contact has to be forced. Well, Jaden Sewer's not going to make a soft tackle ever. So anytime there's head contact, he's off to the bin now. Joining us on the line now is Fox Sports commentator Matt Russell. We were critical last week of Jaden Sewer being sin-binned, but what's your verdict on Thursday night's dismissal? Yeah, g'day, Tim. G'day, Matty. Look, it's hard to go against the sin-binning given the rules that the NRL have set down, isn't it? Basically, if you make contact with the head of an opponent and it's deemed forceful, which this one clearly was, you heard Bossy there saying any contact that Jaden Sewer makes is forceful, then you're going to go to the sin-bin as... Anthony Griffin said afterwards, we've just got to work out and realise the game has changed, whether you like it or not, and you've got to lower your target zone. You can't put yourself in a position where you're going to be making contact with an opponent's head, otherwise you're going to be in the bin. I thought it was a very mature approach from Coach Griffin. He said, you know, we can sit here and debate it and complain about it all day, but you know what? Next week we need Jaden on the field for 80 minutes, so let's talk to him 
and let's make sure he just lowers that, that target zone enough that if an opponent dips late or, or falls a little, that he's not going to be spending 10 minutes in the bin every week with that chair that's now got his name on it. Yeah, look, I'm, welcome to the show, Matty, and thanks for being on. But yeah, I, I like listening to the call again, and and from my point of view, he, it didn't look like he changed. You know, it wasn't like he changed from a lower stance to a higher stance to try and make contact. He was already set in his position to try and make a tackle, and the you know advancing offensive player um, dips down into it. So the, there is a fine line because you know these guys aren't small guys. Like you, you're you're talking about you know hundred kilo players running at the line and. You've got to try and stop them to, to then have to change it all together where you're dropping lower again and making sure you grab them around the waist. Like, yeah, there's it's going to open the game up even more from a scoring point of view, which is maybe where the NRL are looking to go. But surely, they're, they're you know, are, what is the NRL doing with all these teams? Are they sending coaches out, like from a refereeing point of view, to help the players try and make the transition to make sure that you know the fans can sit there and watch, you know, 13 on 13. Well, the referees do go to training, Maddie, but that's more about other aspects of the game. They have been black and white here, the league, that given the current situation regarding concussions, which will be ongoing, we're never going back to the dark old ages where you get knocked out, jump back to your feet and play on with a suck on the magic sponge. Mm. And, you know, long term, that has to be a good thing. We don't want players uh, having issues that we see many uh, older players now experiencing. So we've got to look after the head, right? Black and white, they said... We know that you're not going out there to make shoulder contact with the head, but you need to take responsibility. Even if there are extenuating circumstances, it's no excuse because the head contact has been made. Lower your target zone. So if Jaden Sewer, rather than aiming for the middle of the, the chest, he aims you know, basically at the bottom of the ribcage, that's what the league wants him to do. Do we know enough about the Dragons yet? I mean, obviously, we, we took a lot out of the, the Panthers game and, and playing with 12 men as they did and getting as close to Penrith, but then we see that on Thursday night where the game got away with them. Can we make much of their season yet? I was willing to really make a case after a couple of big trials and then those first two results, which I thought showed encouragement. I was a little bit rattled about their performance the other day, just about the way that Cronulla were able to put on so many points in, in dire conditions. Now, maybe that's selling the Sharks short. Maybe they're a team that, you know, at the end of the season are going to be uh, comfortably inside the top four. And we'll look back on round three and say, well, the, the Dragons were beaten by a very good team that day. But I, I would like to have seen a bit more resistance defensively. Um, I would like to see a few of the, the, the bigger name players stand up a bit more. But... I can't cast them aside just on one game, but I, I am keen to see a big bounce back in the next outing. And then the other game, uh, South Sydney, were obviously kick-started their season with an impressive win against the Roosters. Always plenty of feeling. Did you? Were you impressed by South? Absolutely, I was. Absolutely, I thought. You know, after back-to-back losses, would they tighten up a little bit? Would they be sucked into all the aggro that the clubs had played down during the week? But I know it's there, simmering just beneath the surface. Mm. And I thought Jason Dimitri said something really good in the press conference afterwards. He said that, you know, we just made this week all about ourselves. We didn't buy into the Roosters or the, the um, fallout from last year's controversial meeting. We just made it all about South Sydney and the need for us to post a victory. And, look, the game was on the line there in the second half. And, you know, the response from South was, I think, awesome, a word to use. You know, some of the tries they scored, some of the footy they played to raise their first win of the season and give Coach Dimitri his first NRL victory. I thought it was a really, really good performance from South and a little bit back to the drawing board for the Roosters. You know, they were very good last weekend in bouncing back from a first-up defeat, but 
Uh, that's a heavy scoreline against them in what should be a, a classic hard-fought derby. I could see the disappointment on Coach Robinson's face afterwards. And, um, yeah, so both these teams now, they're one and two. Yeah, <clears throat> I thought the same thing. Like, when I was watching it, I just thought that the Souths were just so disciplined. And then we talked about that in the last couple of weeks about, you know, the teams that were on top, you know, your Penrith and, and the Storm, the way, how disciplined they were on their lines, even the way the Broncos were playing. It, uh, you know, that, that sort of discipline and then controlling ball and controlling field position seemed to lead to victories. And I think I, I, I couldn't see that in South in the first couple of weeks. And to see them just be extremely disciplined, and it's good to hear you say, Matt, that they just focused on themselves rather than, you know, obviously they've got a massive fan base. They've got to please a lot of people. Um, they could have easily got caught up and then gone out there and taken that game the wrong way. And that could have been a blowout the other way. So really, you know, that's a real discipline from the coach point of view. But really happy with the playing group to be able to buy into that and then obviously execute on the night. Yeah, and Cam Murray, you know, he was brought off the bench last week. I know that bewildered Michael Ennis. He t told that to Fox League last night. But he was back in the starting team. Just absolutely awesome for the Bunnies, yeah. Cam Murray, last night. Like, how good is he as a footballer to watch, but also to serve South Sydney? So you had, when Joey Manu scored early in the second half, I thought, ooh, well, the Roosters come and get the Bunnies here. And how fitting was it that the two players at the centre of that big controversy late last year, Joey Manu scores to get the Roosters almost on level terms. And then as part of South Sydney kicking away, Latrell Mitchell scored the try. And he was flamboyant. He played it up for the cameras. He was celebrating before the goal. I don't know whether the coach will be overly happy with that, but there's a bit of flair in, in Latrell Mitchell, and, and that will only attract more attention to him. I thought Cody Walker was fantastic. I saw enough from South Sydney last night to suggest to me, right, they've got the metal to be a top eight team. They've got the flair and excitement. Yes, they've had a rocky start to the season, but they'll be there again. They've got too many good players for that. And you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how the season for Latrell Mitchell unfolds from here. We're here with Fox Sports commentator Matt Russell. We're going to head to a break, but we'll be back shortly with more. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the Gong, live here from Wollongong Golf Club. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Hawks great Matt Campbell and Fox Sports broadcaster Matt Russell. Matty, in the other game in the NRL last night, it was uh, a little bit controversial, but the, uh, the Warriors managed to hang on 16-12 over the Tigers. Yeah, a lot controversial, wasn't it? Because Michael Maguire is adamant the Tigers had a try in the first half. It wasn't even looked out. Now, if viewers or listeners haven't seen the game last night, the Tigers kicked, Luciano Leilua raced through, went to ground the ball, and it was just waved that he'd knocked on in goal or, or put the ball on the touching goal line when replay showed that he went very, very close to scoring, if not scoring. This wasn't even checked. And the Tigers were furious that they believed there was a try left out there if only the officials had done what they should do, using technology to check the grounding. Now, 16-12 in such a crucial game for the Tigers. That was a big, big moment in the game. However, really, the Tigers only had themselves to blame. So many errors in the back end. They had a 12-man Warriors under real pressure. And Dane Laurie knocks the ball on twice, including one effort that would have seen him going to score under the post. So, you know, it's a big, big loss for the Tigers. I mean, so many errors. 0-3 now. Look, the Warriors didn't play as well as they did the week before when beaten. This week they win. That's the way the Rugby League world works. But 
yeah, yeah. a big result for the, the Tigers in terms of what could have been with a bit of luck and a bit of uh, officiating gone right. How much trouble are the Tigers, and I guess in particular Michael Maguire, in? I mean, I thought last week they were abysmal against uh, Newcastle. The, the effort just wasn't there. They, they just weren't at the races. I mean, it's probably a different thing against the Warriors. They're, they're two teams who are probably battling a little bit, but I, I thought the, uh, the commitment was uh, at a better level this year. But, you know, they've just got to find a win. Absolutely. So the signs were much better. The effort was there. The intent was there. All that let them down was execution. So had they been beaten... You know, 30 to 4 and, and showed another limp performance like last week, then oh, I don't know what sort of week Michael Maguire has, to be honest. I don't know whether there is a next week, but there were better signs. The team had a dig. They rolled their sleeves up early. With a bit of luck, they win the game. So they need to do that now, get a win as soon as possible, then string some together to make all this noise go away. But um, Nathan Brown, well done. The Warriors up and running. They've got some interesting pieces in their puzzle, but it was hardly a game that would suggest either of these will be pushing to the top eight. We'll have to wait until they can improve on last night. Yeah, they play the Titans next Thursday night, and you just sense that that's a really crucial game if they're going to get their season up and running, the the Tigers. Now, Matt, you're off to uh, cover the, the Super Netball this weekend. It's the first round of the new competition. Yeah, you're coming from the Wollongong Golf Club. I'm coming from Sydney Airport, about to head to Adelaide, where the Thunderbirds <laughs> open the season against the uh, Collingwood Magpies. Actually, just bumped into the Illawarra Hawks out in the Departures Lounge as well. So they're at the airport as well. I should have dragged a few in, and we could have done some interviews live from Sydney Airport for you, gentlemen. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Super Netballs on Fox Netball this season, so a new era. And, um, yeah, the Thunderbirds against the Magpies, two teams who struggled last year and we'll be hoping to score a first-up win to, to breed some belief into their campaign. Then we go straight back to Sydney for a, a grand final rematch, New South Wales Swifts against the Giants. So it's another busy, busy weekend on Fox Sports, be it Fox League, Fox Netball, Fox Cricket. It's all there. It's all there. You can't get away from the telly team all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the weather uh, looks like it's going to be good for that over the weekend. we got more rain here in New South Wales. <laughs> we, we, were, we got a deluge earlier. So, yeah, it's exciting that netball started. And it, um, it does look like a great competition. It looks like it's going to be very even. And um, I'm interested to see the uh, two New South Wales teams, how, how, that, um, how that ends. And, uh, and then just to see who can get established early. And obviously, they'll go a long way to see who's in finals. Well, the good thing is, Matty and, and Tim, that... For the first five weeks, you know, every team wants to start well, but they're also gunning for uh, selections in the Diamond squad, the Commonwealth Games, and right. that gives them a leg up to next year's World Cup because Stacey Marinkovic, the national coach, has to name her squad after five rounds of this um, regular season. So if there's players on the fringe or players hoping to jump in if there's an injury or something, then, you know, they'll be going really hard in these open rounds. They don't have long to try and sway the national coach. I think that adds another layer of interest to what yeah, could be a, a fantastic Yeah, you're right, Matty. It's so close. I, mm. I was lucky enough to call the Team Girls Cup the pre-season competition. There are some exciting newcomers coming through the ranks. There's great international players involved and um, there are going to be some good storylines. So we cover every game uh, live, ad break free, in play. There's um, centre pass getting us started on Thursday night. There's pivot wrapping up the, the round each Sunday evening, so there's plenty of netball on, on Fox Netball, and it's a great addition to the menu at Fox Sports. Matt Russell, good calling over there in Adelaide, and uh, we'll catch you next week. 
I want to ask Campbell, he's got those new golf clubs yet, or are you still hacking around with <laughs> no, the old ones? No, no, I'm, I'm hacking away with new clubs now, so um, <laughs> I have them and they're not working, so for anyone out there, don't just go and buy clubs and think instantly you're going to get a better score, because it's not working for me. So none have ended up in those growing dams there at Wollongong Golf Club yet? You've got not a full yet. set? Not yet, I've got a full <laughs> set. I thought about it on Wednesday, let me tell you. And, and like you asked, are we going to have a, a local winner this afternoon, gents, in the races? Is, uh, have you talked about that yet? Have we got Kerry Parker going to deliver again? Not as yet. We've actually got Theresa Baitup, who is a uh, monogal in the Neville Selwood mm. this afternoon, and I think uh, it's a real live chance, actually, after winning the Opona last week. Think it over's on okay. today Think as it well. over's back yeah. in. Doesn't so like a the couple, wet. A couple of opportunities around there, that's for sure. Okay. Good on you, boys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again to Matt Russell. We're going to head to a break. We'll be back with more. Prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back with Saturdays in the Gong live from Wollongong Golf Club. Gee, there's plenty out on the course today. After so many weeks of rain, it's fantastic to see so many playing. Yeah, it, absolutely. And it's, uh, the weather's holding off nicely at the moment, but there's some grey clouds just hovering off the coast. So... I think uh, as long as they've got their umbrella and they're ready for a little bit of wet, it would be a nice day out on the course. Absolutely. I, uh, it was a, a really enjoyable first hour of the show today. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed chatting to Nigel Roy and the, the uh, I guess, expansion in a way of the uh, Illawarra competition to include the, the Sydney teams from the, um, the Sutherland Shire area. I think that'll be a really good um, you know, addition to the competition. It's unbelievable to think that we're actually getting an expansion from Sydney into our, <laughs> into yeah, our competition. Absolutely, so yeah. Normally it's the other way. We're normally sending people up the road to try and get into the Sydney Metropolitan yep. Comp to try and get better, um, you know, better competition. So I think it just awesome. shows the strength of rugby league in the in the region, doesn't mm, it? Absolutely. Coming up in the second hour, we've got Kembla Grange trainer Teresa Baitup. Uh, Monigal is running in the Neville Selwood Stakes, uh, having already secured a piece of black type success last week in the Opponent Stakes. I think uh, Monigal's a really live chance there today. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's um, obviously fair bit of water around so it's going to be interesting to see how it can, how it can handle the wet and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah and then we'll have Daniel Greeter, he's joining us here on deck at Wollongong Golf Club to talk the Illawarra Hawks as he continues his rehab back to competition You're with Saturdays on the in the gong live on SEN Track Illawarra Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back here with Saturdays in the Gong. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm with uh, Hawks great Matt Campbell. We're live here at Wollongong Golf Club with thanks to Charlie's Liquor Bar. Now joining us on the line is uh, Kembla Grange, Teresa Baitup, who achieved a, a career dream last week with Monegal winning the Group 3 opponent stakes. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm great, uh, Teresa, and I'm, I imagine you're really excited about today with the, the Neville Selwood. Monegal, a, a real live chance at around the $8 mark. Um, how did Monegal pull up, and uh, what, how do you rate um, the prospects today? Yeah, look, she's come through that run last week in great order. Uh, like, we'll have gone to back her up and she showed us that she was just so, um, little signs of rumour that she's fighting 
just such an iron horse monogle i mean uh, just uh, uh, the, the fantastic purchase for, for you, yourself and your, your stable tell us a bit about how it sort of all came together as the the three thousand dollar horse yeah so we've got a boning sales uh she was second day the sales but yeah um one day after my partner mixed, uh, he wants to bonar himself up to the road Stakes, and I think we've got a, a bit of audio there of the uh, the fantastic win. The field bunches somewhat coming to the turn, and Lalude got to the front. Lalude from Nerd, but Verve is giving chase. Then feel the rush, Bedford Square to the outside. Then came Phil of Fun. Galaxy Bell's not in the hunt. It's Lalude being challenged by Nerd, but Verve and Monigal coming through with a great run. And Monigal pounces on the lead of the 200 and draws two lengths clear from Nerd, but Verve. Then Bedford Square and feel the rush, but it's Monigal's opponent stakes ripping clear for a big win. Yeah, she was travelling a long way out there, Monigal. It was just exciting to see her break open and get that Group 3 win, Maddie. And and the other thing is that ticking the box beyond beyond a mile. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly a, a real live chance. Especially in tough conditions too. Like, it was just a, um, an outstanding run and, yeah, it was against some good horses. So, very exciting. And just uh, to throw back to you, Teresa, what, what did it mean to the stable to, uh, to capture that black type win? Oh, look, it's... So pleasing that Monica's our first black type winner, like she's such a great woman. And she deserves you know, black type next to the same. Like being very competitive uh, in town over the past couple of years. We've had a couple of tracks of getting black type, basically, uh, which got back to run races and placing there. So, yeah, I think we've just just lost you a bit there. Again, Teresa, look, I really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, it's really exciting to see Monigal's development um, mm. and, and to be able to, to capture that black tie. But it's just been such a great spring and summer for the Kembla Grange horses. We've seen Kerry Parker with Think It Over, mm. the prices with Counter Rupi and Jamea, and uh, fantastic to see Teresa Bader winning uh, in Group 3 company there la um, 
last week and also a real live chance in the Neville Selwood Stakes. Again, the biggest test, but uh, jumping from gate 12 with Rachel King on board. We'll let you uh, go and get up there to Rose Hill today, Teresa. Enjoy the big day and uh, we look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks to Teresa. We just had a little bit of an issue there on the line. Uh, she's always a great tra chat, Teresa, and it's uh, great capturing her insight into racing. Maddie, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's such a, a, a... Aside from the weather, it's just been such a fantastic uh, summer, spring, and going mm. into autumn for these Kembla Grange horses. I mean, there was a time there where I think the Kembla Grange trainers kind of struggled to really match it. We've seen the introduction of the, the midway handicap, yep. which is the provincial and smaller metropolitan stables that's in addition to the highway handicap for the country trainers. Yeah. And I think that's been a great addition because it gives them that niche that they can go and chase the big prize money up in Sydney. But then beyond that, just the success of some of these horses, I mean, think it over, just continually produces, took him down to Melbourne, mm. uh, finished second there in the Australia Cup, was kind of on the wrong leg, was never yeah. particularly comfortable down in Melbourne, but, yeah. you know, just, just fantastic to watch it in that class. Yeah, and look, I also think that especially some of the metropolitan trainers are starting to realise how good Kembla Grange is from a training and, and for a run point of view. So, you know, the, the Kembla Grange um, meetings now, you see, you know, you've got all Chris Waller horses, you've got you've got the star-studded um, stables sending horses down to get their runs down in, in Kembla Grange and I think that's only going to get better and better. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not part of the Racing New South Wales plan to incorporate the Grange in as part of uh, uh, the metro tracks and maybe release a bit of uh, land up there in Sydney, come down, send some of the trainers down to Wollongong and, yeah. you know, get a bit more. And that's only going to increase what the stables here in the Illawarra have to produce yeah. to, to get winners locally. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a bit, it's just it's creating a great competitive environment. Yeah. And we're seeing now better horses coming out of uh, Illawarra-based stables. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Racing New South Wales have bought up some of the land around Kembla Grange. They are trying to expand mm. some of the, the stabling down there and release some of the pressure on Sydney. So, I mean, it only will attract better and better uh one, tra more trainers down here, but also the, the level of horse and the amount of money and investment um, in in racing down in the Illawarra. Now, the other, uh, the story in the Mercury this week, uh, I spoke to Hugh Doherty, who's a Winuna man. He's an owner and he's also a breeder. They have 53 horses with his group, wow. but he's also the owner of Montefilia who managed to topple very elegant yes. there and is on the, uh, the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup path this year. Wow. So, you know, it just shows the, uh, you know, the level of, ca the, the calibre of talent we have down here in, uh, in the Illawarra. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and like, who doesn't want a racehorse, right? So, yeah. and, and this is an opportunity for, for people in the Illawarra now have an opportunity to, to be able to, you know, potentially buy in on some of these syndicates and, and actually see their horse locally too. And, you know, it's exciting and what we're seeing also, we've got more coverage, like, you know, now Free to Air is also coverage. I mean, Fox do a fantastic, Sky do their bits and pieces, SEN are unreal at calling the races, but yep. you're now seeing Free to Air pick it up every weekend, yep. where, where it was only the big races getting picked up. So, you know, racing's really taken off, and I think COVID obviously helped that. There was a lot of people not being able to get out and about during COVID that could really get and be entertained by horse racing, and, um, you know, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, and it's a great, you know, 
it's a great sport to get involved with and we're just seeing the, the fruits of that now with some of the local runners which is going really well. Yeah, so Montefilia won the Group 1 Randvet Stakes um, there at uh, Rose Hill on a heavy nine, beating very elegant and angel of truth. Now last year uh, went to the Caulfield Cup and finished fourth behind Incentivised, who yeah. was the red-hot favourite for the Melbourne Cup, of course beaten by Very Elegant. So when I spoke to Hugh Doherty, I said that is Melbourne Cup the goal this year? And he said it has been since last year. So right. when they when they run, they had a bit of a rough run. They were wide in the Caulfield Cup, and they said, no, nah, that's enough. We're going to put uh, Montefilia away. She's a four-year-old mare now, so she was a three-year-old at the time. And they said, no, nah, that's enough. We're not going to you know blow her up this year. Yeah. We're going to put her away, bring her back in the autumn, which they've done. They've captured the Group 1, beating the Melbourne Cup winner. Yeah. And now, I think the world's their oyster. Anything could happen from there. Yeah, definitely on a pathway. Um, and it's good to see a training plan come together. And it's um, obviously more miles in the legs too, a little bit older. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real upside to that horse. And yeah, well, you know, on the form so far, you've got to give it a hope in all of those if it can get if it can keep progressing the way it's uh, yeah. the way it looks like it's trying to do. And may well lock horns yet at some stage. Think it over's probably on the uh, well has been aimed at the the Cox Plate path previously, but stretches out to twenty four hundred in the Tancred Stakes today, around about a seven dollar shot. Now Nash Warilla had a careless riding charge that was going to come with a six week ban. He appealed it down to a reprimand mm. and that was successful so he will ride think it over from gate three today in the Tancred Stakes over 2400 uh, Jewess who uh, overpowered mm. uh, think it over there down in Melbourne last start is the $2.90 favourite with Spanish Mission Peter Moody's horse at 420 and think it over has been drifting which, in these heavy conditions, I think that's probably understandable enough. But Think It Over is just so genuine and just always turns up. Yeah, and it's a good price too. It's, a, it's exciting. I think it's right on where the money should be for it. But obviously the rain's starting to come through. I've just looked at the, um, at the radar where we are and it's starting to push into Sydney now. So that track could deteriorate even more, unfortunately, and that could make it a real... You know, real mud bath, and uh, obviously that won't help its chances. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how much rain we do get in this next sort of hour or two hours, and how that affects uh, the running up there. And I think that'll change a lot of uh, people's minds on on what they bet for today. Yeah, it has been tough just with all of that weather. I think it's really struggled to uh, to bet with confidence. That's why we saw Kerry Parker take Think It Over down to Melbourne. One sport that's not affected by the weather, and we're just looking at the radar there and the the weather that's just coming across that eastern seaboard below, well, it's below Sydney, mm. so it's certainly uh, coming towards us at a great rate of knots, but looks like Sydney might actually uh, maybe avoid the worst of it. Yeah, look, it looks that way for a little bit, but, um, I mean, you know, this is we talk, we talk in NRL earlier today about, you know, refereeing impacting um, potential for, for a lot of the teams so far in this round. You know, you've got to spare a thought for, for, for horse racing. You know, you could have an unbelievable horse do all the right things and then the heavens open up and, uh, you know, you don't get the chance to run on a track that you need from that point of view. And it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for the rest of the day um, and whether those storms hit it or miss it. Um, and that'll de- that'll obviously determine some of the chances of some of these horses. Yeah. Now, we saw, I think, an iconic moment in AFL uh, last Absolutely. night. Um, you know, the Sydney Swans are up and running this year, but it was almost just perfectly fitting the way that Lance Franklin uh, was managed to... Um, 
score his thousandth goal in the AFL. Mm. And I think we've got a, a bit of a clip from uh, from the last night's action. Warner surely he looks for number 23. Got him on short, and he's got it. But... I hope they don't go early, JB. Look That's... at it. Everyone's charging down. That's what he's got ahead of him. What do you think, JB? Start at the right post and bend it back. He's done it so many times. 999 goals, Buddy Franklin. The legend becomes immortal. It's a phenomenal moment in oh AFL because it just doesn't happen anymore. The, the, the iconic days of these mm. key full forwards we've yep. seen, Plugger Lockett, you know, the, the, the players that we grew up with, you mm. know, the, the Ablets and the Modras, the Sumiches, the yep. Dunstalls, all of these players who just kick bags full mm. of goals every week. But there's something about Buddy Franklin, just the way he wheels around on the left and yep. just controls that forward 50. Well, yeah, he's been able to evolve too. And like you said, in, in a game that's evolved, a little bit like basketball, basketball's changed from the big you know lumber sort of woodchopper type person to now being the athlete and being able to shoot the three you look at this the way he's involved his game and probably changed the game a little bit with his movement pushing up goes it goes forward and longevity yes he's had some injuries but you know ultimately last night I, you know it's encouraging to see that kind of uh, that sight and then the, the storming of the field like you know that stuff that I remember as a kid that just you know, like that stuff's you know that's gone like yeah. they would have been having like you know would have been just chaos up there from the security and the yeah. venue point of view to see that happen but yeah. just so good for Buddy and so good for the sport and TV yeah. to to see that and and look nothing happened so yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day you clear the field you're back on so it's uh, I, I thought it was outstanding one of the best sporting moments I've seen in a long time I absolutely love that that the, the sport that's so professional mm. Australian international sport is now so ultra professional but they still have room yeah. for those moments where the fans are still allowed yep. to make that happen yeah I agree uh, like I said for me uh, one of the best sporting moments uh, and I wasn't prepared for it so, you know, initially I was like, well, hang on, what's going on here? Now, to see it and uh, and to embrace it, and, you know, that's something Buddy will never forget. And that'll be a – you'll see that sporting coverage for years and years to come. Yeah, absolutely. We're here thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices with four great locations, Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. We've got Hawks. Uh, recovering Hawks player Daniel Greeder joining us uh, soon. We're going to head to a break and we'll be back with more. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back with Saturdays in the Gong live from Wollongong Golf Club. You're with SEN Track Illawarra. I'm Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor Tim Barrow. I'm here with Hawks great Matt Campbell. Matty, some success in the cricket. The Australian women's team at the World Cup just keep rolling on. Seven from seven. They finished five for 136, chasing Bangladesh's total of 135. Made pretty light work of it with 32 overs down. And also with the men getting there in Pakistan, we had two drawn tests where it was just a batathon on a couple of highways. 
but uh, Pat Cummins' game declaration here in the third test sort of just made it happen in the end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and to be able to get 10 wickets, it's uh, phenomenal, especially on the, uh, the wickets that we've seen over there. I, you know, really exciting from their point of view. That, you know, tops off just what it is a really good team, and they're going well. And there, the, the women, that's exciting. Like, they just keep finding a way. Uh, they've had a couple of injuries here and there that's sort of hindered a little bit of it, but... Man, they um they look really good. It's exciting times for cricket, and we had that little bit of a lull with cricket, and it's good to see that they're back and and it's front and center again where it should be in Australia. Like I think probably dropped its um, momentum there for a while, but I think it's well and truly up there as you know one of the premier sports back in Australia. And the thing about the women's Australian team is, I mean, if it's not Alyssa Healy, she missed out yesterday. Rachel Haynes missed out. Captain Meg Lanning, who's just been bulletproof, mm. she missed out as well. So Beth Mooney goes and gets 66 not out and just wins them the game. <laughs> you expect Australia to beat Bangladesh, but mm. all without Elise Perry as well. So That's you right. know, if it's not if it's not the top order, someone in the middle order gets it done. Oh, and it's you know it's a great opportunity for them. That's right. The, 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 the top order's been doing so well. It's um, yeah. you know it, from from that point of view it gives another person an opportunity. They've got great you know junior talent coming through in that space. So pretty exciting times, like I said, and 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 it just looks like they're focused in on making sure that they um you know they continue on their pathway and they've got a goal and they and they're doing that from that point of view. Really exciting. Yeah, they're going to be very hard to beat in the men's. Pat Cummins finished with three for 23 while Nathan Lyon was the star of the show in the end he was five for 83 off 37 overs I thought it was great to see I think the the pace attack has carried a lot of the load throughout the Australian summer and and over there so it was great to see sort of Nathan Lyon get that that bag full of wickets yeah and absolutely you know you talk about someone who's working their tail off the whole time so they you know from his point of view great to see him get that actual wins up on the board like and um you know you actually take wickets over there and we expect Expected him too, but the, the pitches have obviously been so flat. Uh, it's been really hard work for him. Uh, he just keeps one of those one of those bowlers that you know knocks out the the amounts and then sort of, sort of finds a way to get you know tie it up, make it tight, get and then end up getting wickets. Now, Matt, the big shock of the week, and it certainly had some jaws dropping and uh, plenty of reaction on social media, was Ash Barty, the world number one. Yeah, calling it quits. Wow. Yeah, I was. You know, and it, what a bold move, uh, you know, at her age to be able to just say, right, oh, well, you know, I've got other priorities that I want to um, uh, chase. Um, you know, and, and as a sports person, it really, it's hard to think that, you know, you can come up with that. At your prime, um, you know, number one in the world, it's a, it's a really big decision. And, you know, I hope for the sports sake that, you know, if she goes off and, and does what she needs to do from a priority point of view and then comes back into the sport. I would love to see her back. Um, and continue that path and and drive that culture too because the other thing that she does such a good job of is she encourages uh, the next generation to come through so um, obviously she'll stay around the sport and continue on that but um, you know we want to make sure that there's not a gap in in between for the next four or five years where those juniors coming through don't have anybody to really look up to and and try and drive so you know obviously they'll continue her around the sport um, but you know she's got other priorities yeah it's it's hard to put yourself into another sports person's shoes mm. but take yourself back to 2001 yeah. you've just won the championship up there in Townsville the fairy tale moment you've worked your whole career for the greatest moment in Illawarra Hawks history Glenn Savile throws the ball into the rafters as the full-time siren goes would you have ever thought about that no, that's enough I've got my title I'm off well it's funny the same age so I was exactly the same age my first year as captain with Sav and um, yeah it did not even cross my mind so yeah I, I guess 
from from that point of view, you know, had sort of bigger fish to fry as well. I wanted to make an Australian team. So there was some other priorities as well that I wanted to try and tick off from my sporting goal point of view. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I just look at it and, and, and think at the top, you know, would I gone out at that stage? Now, at the back end of my career, when we played Perth in 2010 in the championship and we lost in game three over in Perth, if we had won that championship, that might have been, uh, I think I was at 33 at that stage, 34 maybe. Yep. Um, you know, that would have been definitely consideration from my point of view to try and leave. But, sure. I mean, even from my, my aspects, I, I left the game at 35, just about to turn 36, pretty yep. much right on it. I, I left as a starter. I, I probably could have played another three or four years. Uh, my body was good, um, coming off the bench and providing a role. But ultimately, from my point of view, I wanted to leave, you know, on a level where I was comfortable that, you know, that I was still having an impact on the game. So I, I could understand it. But, you know, I think Ash at the top of a game, like, you know, if she was a, a top 20 player in yep. 10 years time and decided or five years time yep. and decided I could see it. But, yeah, I, I was shocked, to yep. be honest. I, I, I admire her for her decision but I was definitely shocked when I heard the news certainly goes on top uh, out on top after winning that fairy tale Australian Open mm. there gee it's a uh, it's been a wet old week it's been a wet old month or two um, Illawarra crickets in some danger they, they've really tried to soldier on and get the uh, the first and second grade games on the turf pitches today but I know South Coast and the Illawarra have been underwater for for so long it's mm. going to be really difficult and also in the Illawarra Premier League, there's only in the football, there's yes. only one game on Sunday night, Wollongong Olympic up against Winuna. All the other games are washed off. We're going to come back after the news. We've got uh, recovering Hawks player Daniel Greeter joining us here live at Wollongong Golf Club. And we'll be back to chat with him shortly. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back here at Live from Wollongong Golf Club with Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track Illawarra. We're into the last half hour of the show. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor here with Hawks great Matt Campbell and joining us here at the golf club is Hawks player Daniel Greeter. Thanks for joining us mate. Awesome, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on board. Obviously it's been a long road back to fitness but you're getting pretty close to being back into full training. Yeah, well um, I've been doing everything but contact for a a while now and feeling like way better than I ever have. Like feel more athletic, more in shape than ever. So yeah, super excited to get some contact going probably next week, start playing one-on-one and things like that. So yeah, I'm super pumped. It must be difficult just you've gone through that long process but it must be exciting now that you're at the end you know coming to the end of it and, and feel like you're your you're old self yeah it, it's uh it's been great this year the strength and conditioning guys have been like really good with me the physios have been unreal so um this one's been a lot easier than last time physically mentally it's been a bit tougher but the physical um difference this year i think has just gone through it before knowing what i've got to do and that i can get through it and play well so yeah it's been it's been great 
Yeah, so and obviously you signed a new two-year deal, which is exciting for the for the Illawarra. It's great for the Hawks to have a bit of continuity with the team moving forward, and and it's and it's really exciting that they're starting to build a program that's going to be long-term, not just a short-term goal of being successful straight away. We're trying to trying to establish a team that's going to be competitive long-term, and having you in there for for, for two years with the other guys, Sam obviously signed up for a three-year deal, so put a bit of continuity into it. That must give you a bit of um, you know, uh, you obviously got the support from the club point of view, a bit of confidence in you, in what you've been able to achieve with the limited court time you've been able to have during the, during the injury. So it must be pretty exciting times. Yeah, super pumped. Like, I've, this is my fourth year here now, so it's like, it's really home now. Mm. Um, and I love everything about the Aurora. I love the fans, the... Uh, the organisation has gotten better every single year I've been here, so I'm hoping that just continues. And yeah, playing with guys like Sam and Alex Madronia, we were all at the institute together, and we like really clicked when we used to play as teenagers. So hopefully mm. that can carry on. Like guys like like Mud, no one really knows a lot about him because he's just training this year, but mm. he'll be really good for us in the future. He's a great point guard, like a lot of size and. Um, yeah, as super competitive too, so he'll fit right in with us. Yeah, it's good. I think I, I think the fact that you've got sort of three guys that are at the same age level and, and came through, um, I think also helps in you know similar interests, uh, helps in the just the chemistry of the team. And I think I look back to when we won the championship two thousand and one when we talked about it before. We had five guys from the same age group across different teams at that time. Well, we all played against each other at Australian Championships level. We were in camp at all Australian, all that bits and pieces. And I think having those guys around about the same age, um, you know, common common goals, common understanding, uh, common interests, uh, I think really helps with the chemistry of the team. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Like we have like four or five guys born in 98 this year. So mm. it's good. Like we all hang out. We do things off the floor all the time. Like a lot of us live together. So it's just, it's fun. Like it's not work for us. Like we, we love playing basketball. We love hanging out. So it's like, they're just the perfect job. The question to you, Daniel, and then and I'll, I'll ask the same of you, Matt. I mean, just with the program and actually having that that longer term vision of where the actual the club's going in itself. Obviously, you know, Matt yourself as a general manager and former player, like it can be difficult to sort of keep that squad together. Obviously, imports come and go, and the Hawks, among other clubs, have found it difficult o- over time. But just that show of faith, Daniel, that you can build in that group and actually build it up with, with those players. Absolutely. Like it's, these, uh, these owners have been really, really good to us. They're really like hands-on. Like we talk to them all the time. So it's been good. Um, like they've showed a lot of faith in me, like coming off two injuries. And obviously there's got to be doubt that I'll do it again. But I think I've done enough to prove to them that I can really help us win. And yeah, I'm very grateful for them giving me another opportunity to stay here another two years. Yeah, look, the, the exciting thing for me was um, looking at last year's team and, and when I was the GM, part of part of my strategy was to try and build a program long term um, and, you know, talking with Coach Beveridge at the time, Rob Beveridge was the coach, um, you know, he was talking about bits and pieces and, and the only thing I asked for was some youth, um, youth that people in the stands could see develop. Uh, make mistakes, uh, get better day in, day out, and, and give an opportunity for the next generation of basketball who's just sitting in the stands playing local comp to go, oh, I love the Dan Greeter. Look at that. Look at the way that he's getting better day in, day out, and looking at him making mistakes when he's on the floor and learning from them, I think really helps drive a, a real culture from a fan point of view. And, and from the club, we've always, you know, we're the, we're the oldest club in, in the league as far as continuity from year to year. 
we have to continue to drive a reason for the fans to turn up, not just because you're winning. Um, and that's the biggest challenge, not only for basketball, for any sport, is that you do have the, you know, the fickle fans who will follow if you start winning. How do you drive a membership and how do you drive a casual fan when you're not winning consistently? And you know, that was a challenge from the Hawks' point of view when we had budget constraints from a basketball. And, and it was about, right, let's build a program um, like the Melbourne Storm have done from like where you've got all the talent in your program, they instantly know what they have to do when it's their opportunity um, to, to step up. That transition is only a small step rather than trying to grab guys in that are you know, falling out from other teams and you're trying to then get them on, on a different pathway. So I think you know, what the organisation is doing right now is exactly what it needs to do, locking up some you know, good quality young talent and trying to filter in the imports to be able to match what talent skills we have from a, a local content point of view and that will make the program successful not only this year that'll make it successful long term. And Dan it's been exciting to see where Brian Gorgian's built the program in the last couple of years give us a bit of an insight he's obviously the most successful coach in NBL history six titles and and the you know the presence the aura that comes with it with it I guess you know give us a bit of an insight into working with Brian Gorge and, and the way he goes about his business. Yeah, he's uh, he's been unreal. Like he's back in the afternoons, rebounding for us, running around with his you know his bung knees, like <laughs> and his fingers all going everywhere. So he uh, he puts in just as much work as us, if not a whole lot more. He's always watching film. Um, he is unreal, and like obviously the respect has been there from the start. Like when he took over here, like I was like I want to come back, I, I want to play for him, and I, I think a lot of us were like that. Like we knew how good he was and. Like he can really help us. So, um, but it filters down. Like Jacob and Sean, unreal as well. They they do everything for us. They're always getting shots with us. Always rebound. Like they want us to get better as players themselves. So, um, it's been awesome. It's been great. I actually wrote the column in the Mercury today that this is a real um, show of faith in the program that the Hawks have built because obviously Brian Gorgian's not down in Melbourne for Sunday's game, given that he tested positive to COVID. But it shows that there's a sense of ease around the group that the way you're going about it that you know Jacob Jacomas can step in he obviously does a lot of the timeout work and the tactical stuff anyway but to know that you can just go on it's, it's there's not a, a real necessary reliance on you know needing gorge there you can get on with the job absolutely Jacob's awesome like Jacob does a lot behind the scenes that people don't see and he's uh he's really good with us young guys like he's the one that works us out all the time with gorge helping out and um yeah he has a lot of uh, authority over us and he's helped us um, like crazy so he's going to be really good on Sunday yeah look I, I think it's a bit of a free swing too um, you know it's uh, it's a bit of a free swing from the team point of view great to come up against the top you know the top team in the league without Gorge sitting on the sideline I think this is an opportunity for some of the veteran players some of the imports especially that you know Tyler on a long-term deal um, you know you've, you've, you've got sort of uh, do up in there. This is an opportunity for those guys to show real leadership from the group point of view, and go out there and show you know the rest of the league that you know we, we are as a team are established and we have our systems in place that we don't need the greatest coach of all time sitting on the sideline. We've got an ability to be able to to you know push forward and deliver. Uh, even when he's not there, and uh, you know, I, I, it's a great opportunity. It's a it's a great lead into finals to play against Melbourne down there, anyway. So I just think it's a great opportunity. I think Jake will do a great job from a coaching point of view. I'm interested to see how those senior players really step up.
for sure. Like I think um, I think everyone's like rearing at the bit to play these these big games. Like, that's why you play basketball to play the big ones. And we only basically only play top four teams for the rest of the season. So it's like if we beat these guys, it's like double wins. We give them a loss as well um, to make that top four. So everyone's pumped for pump for this weekend and for the coming weeks. We're here thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices with four great locations at Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Marilla. This is Saturdays in the Gong. It's Matt Campbell and Tim Barrow joined by Hawks player Dan Greeter who's just re-signed with the club. We're going to head to a break and we'll be back with more. Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Charlie's Liquor Barn, everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back here live from Wollongong Golf Club. It's Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. I'm here with Hawks great Matt Campbell and Hawks player Dan Greeter. Gee, there's an ominous-looking cloud that's just rolling on in. I think we're going to get plenty more of this rain yet here, Matty. Oh, yeah, it's coming for sure. I just looked at the radar. We will get wet here in the gong. So I think right on when we wrap it up, we'll be racing to get out of here. Racing to the car, absolutely. Charlie's Liquor Barn to get a case and sit there and watch some races Uh, and football and basketball, it's going to be a great day. Absolutely, mate. I'll be dropping in at the uh, Warilla store on the way back to Shell Harbour. A couple of big games in the uh, the NBL, uh, particularly Tasmania beating Perth 85-83 to 83 to keep the jack jumpers mm. in the running. Now, Perth... Did not see that coming. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, Perth rarely lose at home at the best of times, so the jack jumpers have sort of kept themselves in some touch of the top four. They have, yeah. Look, mathematically, I think they can make it. Look, I, you know, the jack jumpers, what I really like like about it is the way they play the game they're they're really bought into just working hard and trying to grind out teams and I think they're doing a fantastic job and I actually believe they've got limited talent so I I just think that they're overachieving which is great for the league to see that and um, the fact that they've been able to put together a group of guys that that understand the vision and are willing to sacrifice obviously court time and bits and pieces and what they have to do it really seems like they're in sync with the way they play Um, clearly you could see when the Hawks played them last week when it comes down to both teams playing at their tops the, you know the, the more talented teams will beat them but yeah they grind out and to prove that they won it they, you know if they look back at the season if they end up scratching in the finals unbelievable if they look back at the season say they won in Perth they've beaten top teams along the way it's a really phenomenal year for them now there's three big games that all have some impact on the top four Perth play Sydney tonight in Perth then Adelaide, who are out of the finals reckoning, but they take on South East Melbourne at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And then the big one, Melbourne United against the Illawarra Hawks at 3 o'clock at John Kane Arena. Now, Dan, last time the Hawks played Melbourne United, it took a vintage NBA-level performance from Matthew Delavadova. He scored 33 points. I think he had eight assists as well. He's one of the keys to stopping them, obviously. Yeah, well, he shot the lights out last time, and it was obviously a scout from us to uh, kind of let him, not like let him shoot, but, you know, go under screens and stuff like that, and he ended up torching us. I think we forgot there for a second that he's like an NBA champion, and like mm. this is what he does. So mm. um, I'm sure the scout's going to be a little bit different tonight. Um, 
and hopefully we can contain him a bit a bit more. But they got weapons everywhere, so it's a it's a tough one against United. But. Yeah, I look at Matthew Delavadova last time he played, and, you, and you're right, you, you forget about the Olympics, the, the the time before where he was averaging 20 points a game, and he was a dead set scorer. I think he went through the horrors. I think in the NBA, and I think that can do that when you you know slapped to the bench and you don't get a lot of court time. Uh, and I thought he had a real jerkiness to his shot when he first got back into Australia. It's always been a little bit awkward, but um, seems like he smoothed that out a little bit over recent weeks and you know he's fitting into his role quite nicely and you're right they've got so many weapons down there in Melbourne they're always traditionally very good and methodical about the way they play the game so real good test I think from the Hawks point of view love the way that they've gone about in the last month got a couple of easy games under the belt got the confidence up really excited to see last week where, where they lifted another level like uh, against a good quality hustle team um, on the back of needing to win um, and then coming up against the top teams now. I just, I've said it before, like that, the team that the, uh, the Illawarra has been, been able to put together is not a team that wants to just make finals. They're, they're a team that yeah. wants to make a grand final and potentially win a yeah. championship. So, And if they're going to do that, they need to win these games on the road. They need to at least be very, very close uh, at the end of the, uh, the game to show yeah. these teams that they can be beaten on their floor yeah. by us when we make the finals. And Dan, what did the Jack Jump win mean? I mean, you'd lost those couple of games. I think you've won seven of your last nine and the, the two losses were to Tasmania. We saw it at, at the final siren there that Antonio's Cleveland got pretty excited and it obviously meant a lot to you know, it's obviously not a hoodoo but to drop those couple of games and, and just get that confidence out of beating the Jack Jumpers. What, what have you seen in that unique perspective around the group of how they've brought it together in the last sort of month? Yeah, it was awesome. Like, stringing together those two wins against South East and then to back it up against the Jack Jumpers was huge. Like, yeah, they beat us twice, and I love that from AC. You know, throw some passion back at them. I, I loved that, so that was awesome. Um, but the Jack Jumpers, like, they're, they're really good. Like, they remind me of us last year. You know, we didn't have a lot of scoring or talent in that sense, but we, like, played really hard and we guarded really well. So that's our, that's our problem. The opposite this year is if we score, we can't guard. So mm. hopefully we can uh, really put the clamps on Melbourne and, yeah, try and get one up there. It's good that you brought up the um, emotion that, that I think that was lacking from the group. I, I noticed, and as a fan, I think the feedback that I was getting is did, it looks like they don't care, which obviously wasn't. I asked Brian Gorgian the same question on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, where's the feel? Where's that excitement for being out there on the floor? And I think... Um, Cleveland is the key to that. I think a lot of the other guys are a bit more reserved. I think if he can show that energy and, and produce that, I think you found that other players were coming along and, and with him. And I think you know if we can get a bit more energy out of Duop or someone like that. I mean Tyler Harvey never really shows it. Justinian Jessup, you know, is, is a serial non non excitable person. So um, um, I think you know. I think they've got to believe, and I, I know I've been text messaging Brian Gorge on the same thing. It's the belief in the group that I see now that excites me more than anything else. And I, I saw a good team that just didn't know how good they could possibly be. I, I see a good team now who knows how good they can be. Yeah. Hopefully they can back that up uh, tomorrow and you know keep building towards a finals campaign. Dan, it's been such a long road back, obviously, to get back to full fitness, but it's an absolute thrill to see you back up and running. And, I mean, no doubt it'll be a, a huge off-season for you to get primed for next next year. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to, as soon as the season's done, I'm going to head home. It's been, a, it's been a while since I've been able to go home and see my family in Perth, so I'm going to go back there and kind of re- relax a little bit for a few weeks and I'll be right back here um, putting in work in the, in the pre-season 
um, with the boys that are here, so I'm super pumped for that. Well, it's an absolute pleasure having you on, uh, Dan. Thank you for coming down to Wollongong Golf Club to, to join us this morning, and it's great to get that insight. Uh, Melbourne United taking on the Illawarra Hawks 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon at John Kane Arena. A huge test of the Illawarra Hawks credentials, particularly without super coach Brian Gorgian down there after testing positive for COVID. But thanks for coming on. Of course, thanks a lot. Well, we'll be back with more and to wrap up the show very shortly. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We're back here, Saturdays in the Gong, live from a suddenly very wet Wollongong Golf Club. Matty Campbell, a bit of thunder and lightning coming in. Very, very frightening. Exactly. Yes, it does not look good. And if I was out there with, with those umbrellas right now with these golfers, yep. I'd be running for the hills. There are a few golfers making a very hasty retreat, <laughs> and I don't blame them for a second as that lightning hits. A huge game for the Illawarra Hawks, Matt, tomorrow yeah, afternoon against Melbourne United. The what? real test. This is the real test for them. Um, you know, this is the business end of, the, of, of where we are. Um, if they're going to be a real team, they've got to win this, or at least go very close. Yeah. Are United the best team or is it a bit more open than that? Oh, it's a bit more open than that. I think um, they're a very, very good team. I think, um, you know, they've got some injuries, the guys coming back from injuries, they put in an import in there. I think it's very, very close for five teams uh, that are vying for it. I think it's very even, but, um, you know, I think the Hawks have got the ability to be able to win this. Thanks to Nigel Roy for joining us. Of course, Matt Russell, who joins us every week. Kembla trainer, Teresa Badup, and Daniel Greeder, who joined us here live at Wollongong Golf Club. Thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn and Christian Zeidler, as well as Impact Garage Doors. It's been a huge show. We'll join you again next Saturday. Enjoy your afternoon. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.